love riding my bike. I love running. I don't care what they think about it. I love it. At that point, when I knew I was going to win, chills just went up and down my entire body. I don't believe there are any good or bad foods. Food is food. I still feel so passionate about getting that record that I'm like, I'm just going to do it. As an athlete, I was like, what's my story or what's your story? What can you learn from it? And what can you teach people? Welcome to the Iron Women Podcast. I'm Haley Chura, and I'm joined by Alyssa Gadeski. Alyssa, I was perusing the news last weekend, and they were talking on the news. Actually, it was local news here in Bozeman, and they were talking about the weather in New Hampshire. I realize you're in Vermont and not New Hampshire, but they were saying talking about Mount Washington, and it was like the lowest recorded temperature ever, I think, like a negative 109 Fahrenheit. And I, Mount Washington just makes me think of you because I think you're one of the few people I know who've been up there. But um, how are you doing? Are you still cold? Are you have you warmed up? Have you thawed? Do you have power? Like, how is life in the in the Northeast? <laughs> so thanks for checking, Haley. So we have I'm thawed out. The dogs are thawed out. Our like mudroom pantry items though are not thought out. I just had an onion. I took an onion out of there this morning and it was like seemingly normal. And I was like cutting into it. It was like frosting inside. It was like frosted inside still. Um, because we have like, yeah, the mudroom and then like the door to the house and in an effort to keep our house like as warm as we could while it was negative 20 for two days, like negative 20 actual degrees Fahrenheit wind chill, I think was like, they were telling us it was negative 40 to negative 50. And so anyway, we have some pantry items that all like for like our Oreos froze and things that I was like, you know, how, how is a frozen Oreo? Did you still eat it? So of course, but I prefer to eat my Oreo. <laughs> this is an interesting question. I like, do you just bite it like a cookie? Probably like a normal human being would. <laughs> it depends. Probably. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I probably, okay. I am not, sometimes I like will savor and like, yeah, take them apart, whatever. But then yeah. a lot of time I'm like, just get me the calories. So I just yeah. bite it like a cookie, eat it whole. <laughs> <laughs> so I like to bite the top cookie off, eat the frosting, eat the bottom cookie. Right. And so, so much work <laughs> when it's frozen, the top cookie doesn't, it's like frozen to the frosting. So then you can't cleanly get that top cookie off. So it's a little bit of a nuisance, but it does taste the same then, you know, all's well that ends well, I guess. But anyway, it was really, really cold. It was crazy. I mean, you would go outside and be like, first of all, we kept our power the whole time. Thank goodness. The wind, I don't think was as bad as they thought it would be kind of in like the valley area where we were up top on the mountains. It was crazy. And like the Mount Washington has a weather cam and the, but the website kept crashing because all the weather nerds like everywhere were watching and like trying to see everything that was going on. And it was crazy, but we, I would go outside for like the minute I had to, to take the dogs or something. And Poor Max just didn't understand. Ramona was like, this is fine. I'm made for this weather. I'm like, I'm good. I'll really? just do my business. She and like, was yeah. fine. She was like, you know, I didn't, she didn't want to like linger too long, but she was, she was fine. But Max in his true form self, he like, no matter what time of day, if he's going out, he flies out the door, right? Like he just has no other kind of and way like to do things, right? So he flies out and he's so fast. He gets like pretty far, pretty quick. And he'll like <gasps> run up the hill in the backyard. And then all of a sudden it hits him and he's like, he's like a frozen popsicle and he wouldn't move. So it, so he would do that. I mean, get him and carry him back. Yeah. And so every time I was like going up there that I was carrying him back down because he was just so like, how much does he weigh? 60 pounds, which is treacherous. Yeah. And it's like, 
snowing and like, you know, not snowing, but snowy and like bad footing. And I was like, Max, you have to learn. Like it's cold, like go slow. But by the end he did learn and then it warmed up. And so now we're back to normal life. And he's like, what, what was that? But, um, but it was really cold. We just kind of hunkered down. It was quieter, but people still went to work and did normal things. And everyone was just like, huh, how about that weather? (laughs) I'm glad it wasn't as cold for you as Mount Washington. And uh, I did see too, that you did do your 20 mile run on the treadmill. So how did that go? So, I mean, I think because I had mentally prepared for it and I was like, kind of excited for it. And I had made myself accountable for it. It went really well. And Haley, everyone should rent that movie that I watched called Breaking. I want to make sure I get the actual name, right? I think it's Breaking Barriers, Breaking Three Hours documentary. It's called Breaking Three Hours. It is called Breaking Three Hours. (laughs) So everyone should go rent that. It's on Amazon Prime, Breaking Three Hours. It was it was very entertaining. I like, I really enjoyed watching it. Obviously for me, it was kind of like fun to watch these women who, um, were the, um, American born African-American women. And I want to say there were, I'm getting my numbers confused. I think there are 20, um, American born African-American women who have broken three hours in the marathon and they interviewed them for this movie. And you, you get to watch like all these little tidbits of like what their life was like at the time, what kind of historically was going on, where they did it, um, how many times they ended up breaking three hours. And like some of these women were, you know, super, super fast. Some of these women like just sl- slid under the the barrier and things like that. Um, really great stories, definitely good trainer or treadmill material for people. And then Haley, oh, I did want to talk to you about this too. The second half of my run, I watched season two, some of it, not all. So beware I haven't finished season two of the wilds and didn't you and I talk about the wilds around this time last year I think because you watched this right no I have not watched it no I I mean I've watched plenty of of like tv but I've missed that one is it like lord of the flies ish is that what it's kind of premise yes I would have I really had this whole conversation I remember who I had that conversation with I thought I I like how I remember recording the podcast and talking to someone about this. So who knows who it was, but it is, it's like, um, very Lord of the flies, but season one came out around this time last year, probably a little bit before and season two, I'm not sure how far it's been out, but I just realized it is out. So that filled the second half of the run. And then before I knew it, I was done in two hours and 55 minutes and it was check, just check the box. It was nice great. home yeah. treadmill had all your snacks there. Do you feel like that's it bars, you know, just like everything was right there. Do the dogs, are the dogs afraid of the treadmill? Mm, they're not as afraid of it as I wish they were. <laughs> yeah, I know. I think a healthy fear of the treadmill is actually good. Like I, yeah. Yeah, I actually locked cowboy out of the garage just cause I was like, I don't want to deal with that. Well, and I start looking around like, where are they? Where are they? And like, don't Ooh. put it, you know, and then I get like a little, you know, you just get like a little dizzy or whatever when you start looking around too much but they they mostly were upstairs because it was so cold they were spending all their time in front of the wood stove um and then but yeah I only had one bottle mishap and luckily when I dropped the bottle and bottle mishap like I just dropped dropped it it and then it was like you know flying off and Matt was in between Zwift races so he was able to hop off and get it for me I didn't have to get it so it all went really well I recommend treadmill 20 milers to anyone (laughs) 
Oops, yeah. And you got it done. You're feeling good. Yeah. Got your 20 miler done. How, like, what will be your longest run as you prep for this marathon? Do you know yet? Are you just kind of feeling, feeling through it? I don't know. So I'm kind of like you, we had that discussion about like thinking about your own training and I just kind of, I certainly am not going to like ask for that information. Cause I don't know if I want to know, you know? Um, so every week when I see my training, it's kind of a surprise. So this, like, I know this upcoming week, I'm not running. I think my long run is like 15 in the morning and maybe four in the evening. So, you know, not longer than 20. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if I do 21 or 22, but I also doubt it. So I don't know. I'll keep you posted. as <laughs> the Um, you know, riveting marathon training saga unfolds. Yeah. That I just, I mean, I was just thinking about that. Cause I think there was a cool article in, I want to say trail runner magazine. I hope I get that run right about Camille Heron and her training mm-hmm. and how she like, doesn't really run over 20 miles in a single run. Um, even though she's running hundred milers and, but I mean, her overall volume is huge, but she does find like a training benefit from breaking it up in the frequency. And, and obviously triathlon is different. Even running a standalone marathon is different. Um, I mean, you've run hundred miles. I haven't, but I think that it's just interesting. I think there's, I mean, we've learned this. I feel like in all of our, whenever we're doing mailbags, we're always talking about, well, it depends, you know, there's, there's always like different ways, different paths of doing things. But I think that that's kind of a, a interesting path that's getting some attention right now. Yeah. I also saw the other interesting marathon training article that's been making its rounds is that like, if you miss a week of training for getting sick or something, you're 4% slower in your marathon than like, how do you know that? I'm not sure. Well, exactly. So that's the thing I didn't, I, I mean, I mean, I skimmed the article, I guess. So I'm not really sure how they figured I that out. That article. I was like, okay, that's like more of a reason to be wearing the super shoes because then you at least get the 4% back and then you kind of equalize oh, everything. Right. Uh... But <laughs> well, you haven't missed any weeks of training, have not, you? I mean, no, I guess no, knock on wood, I haven't, but um, but it is it's like just an interesting consistency, staying healthy. Yeah. Is that what they're saying? Like if you get sick or if you get injured and you miss that time. I mean, although we've talked to some people who've come back from like illness and injury and then done incredible. I guess you're just like, wow, they could have done even more incredible. Yeah. <laughs> so like four percent you know better you, you than could that. have gone four percent better. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh wow, it could have been even better. But um, I guess that's why things just keep getting faster. Um, well, cool. Well, good job on your run. Um, good job getting through the cold. And uh for me, I don't know what even what 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 have I been doing? I feel like I have been just trying to be consistent, I guess, and avoid that 4% uh, slide. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I, I mean, there's nothing that exciting. I think I did a Zwift ride, which I know should not be an exciting or even notable thing, but I have not done that many. And I didn't even realize I had an account, but I did. (laughs) <laughs> so I'm not like I am on Zwift. I feel like this is like Strava. When I get Strava followers, I'm always like, I'm so sorry because I don't post much on Strava because I find what I do very boring and I'm like, no one wants to see this. Um, and that was also how I felt about Zwift. Like I, I get now sometimes why people go a little too hard on Zwift because I was just testing it out before I did this like structured ride. And, um, there's a lot of incentives to go harder, you know, like you're getting more points. There's like, you can pass people. There's even like, I was doing some weird little loop and it was like, 
um, like the ghost me of like the cyclist from like my last loop. And it was like, just beat it. And I'm like, okay, no, you're just testing this out. Don't, but I'm like, oh, I kind of just bump it up five Watts, you know? And I'm just like, oh, this is how it happens. So kudos to everyone who does their workouts on Zwift. I do see where like a hard workout, it probably would be helpful. Cause you do feel like you're not alone. Like you have kind of people sure. working out with you, even if they're doing something totally different, but, um, it was interesting. It when was Matt definitely... was, when Matt was on there on Saturday, he was like so excited. And I had the music turned out. Like I couldn't hear anything. And so I'm, he's like, blah, 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 blah. and I'm like, what? And he's like, blah, 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 blah. he's like so excited. I'm like, what? And it's like back and forth, you know? And then finally I figured out, he's like, Julie Dibbins and Dee Dee Griesbauer just rode by me. <laughs> I'm like, oh. like, we'll go catch them. But I think they left him in the dust. I think he was, but it was like something like that. I think would happen to someone and they'd be like, oh, I'm going to catch up to my, my like, you know, pals and like, yeah, try and ride with Julie Divins on Zwift, right? Which I, I don't know. think is, and it would be like not an easy I'll ride. be lying and saying I weigh like 60 pounds. Um, <laughs> and then and maybe I could, but it was definitely a interesting, interesting process. I kind of am glad I got that experience, but I, um, definitely not like uh, probably going to be a Zwift regular, time. but it was, I, I, I liked it. I liked it. And I see the thing, but I do feel like I'm already like, so mentally stimulated on, you know, the trainer, which is music and, or, and also I was like doing an easier ride. And I was like, I gotta catch up on my Netflix, you know, but, um, but you know, it was pretty cool to, to do that. And I did do my ride with the Credo try app that evening. And which I thought it was, it was, I mean, I probably am not qualified to be leading a Zwift ride. <laughs> I'm qualified to lead plenty of in-person rides. I have lots of experience doing that, but like me leading a Zwift ride when it's like my third Zwifting time ever, I was like trying to like chat. I was like chatting a bunch and like, no one was talking back. And then like, I don't like, know how group leaders manage to ride and do the chat function. I mean, sometimes I'm on there and people are just like writing paragraphs. And I'm like, how, what is the setup these people have that they're able to do both? I mean, I, I know I, really I was like understand. on my phone. I was, yeah. yeah, I, but I felt like I was like, okay, this is, I was like, feeling like I was like a Peloton instructor or something like that. And I was like, this is why Peloton instructors or soul cycle is like structured a certain way mm -hmm. because it would definitely be, I'm like easier to chat if you like know, you know, certain things, but I was like, <laughs> thank you to everyone. There were a few people who, who definitely, I think our podcast listeners who showed up and, um, a few of my athletes, but thank you to people who put, were on there. I hope it didn't come across that I was super new at it or else it did. And, you know, sometimes we got to try stuff even more new at it. Exactly. Exactly. And if nothing, even if you only ride on Swift occasionally, Haley, I feel like you can feel good because the, like when we have found out that Swift is really, you know, helping sponsor and get the Tour de France femmes like going and going. And then that's been so fun to see. I always feel good. Even if I'm with you, like I'm only using it maybe once a week. It's like, okay, at least my, my membership is going to a good cause. Yes. No, I did. I felt good about it. And I, again, now I understand the appeal a lot more. There's like these things in life where I feel like I seem like a veteran at triathlon. I've been doing this a long time, but there's always something new. So that was a, a fun one. And do we have any mailbag questions this week, Alyssa? We do not. So if anyone wants to fill up our mailbag again with questions, maybe not about Zwift because clearly we're not Zwift experts here, but about a lot of other things we can probably consider ourselves mostly experts. And you could send us your questions at ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com. 
Yeah. And we have a great interview this week because Alyssa and I both have a, a fascination with NCAA triathlon. Uh, it did not exist while we were collegiate student athletes, but we're super excited to watch it grow right now and to, you know, in admiration of the coaches and the athletes who are a part of that growth, because it, it, we, we believe it is definitely going to be, it already is pretty big, but I think it's just getting bigger, especially as it now gets that fully fully fledged NCAA status over the next couple of years. So this week we are talking with the head coach and a sophomore student athlete at Delaware state university or Dell state. As we, as we learned through this interview, um, Dell state was the second HBCU or historically black college and university to have an NCAA triathlon team. They compete in the division one championship. 2021 was the first year that they had a team and they did make an appearance at that NCAA championship in 2021 and as well as last year in 2022. So they are on the scene. So Hannah Loftus is the head coach there. She started out as the assistant, became the head coach last year. She's been with the program since the inception, as well as Chara Hines, who is a sophomore or second year student athlete. And so Chara has competed at both NCAA championships for Dell State and she also raced in the Commonwealth Games last year, representing Barbados. So we talked to Hannah and Chara about creating a brand new program, what recruiting is like, both as a coach and an athlete, what it's like to come up with new routes and just really start something new. So we'll have that conversation with Hannah and Chara right after the break. Welcome to the Iron Women podcast, Coach Hannah Loftus and student athlete Chara Hines. We're so happy to have you both here. And we love having multiple guests on the show. So, just to help our listeners out a little bit and so they can distinguish your voices, could you tell us uh, your name and how long you've been a part of the Delaware State University triathlon team? So, let's start with Hannah. Yeah, thanks for having us today. We're excited about this opportunity. Um, I started last year with the Delaware State Triathlon team as the assistant coach, and then I took over as head coach just in August 2022. Great. And Chara, what about you? Um, I also started in 2021 last year because it was the inaugural year of the program. And yeah, so this is my second year and my name is Chara Hines. And Hannah, what first drew you to being a part of the coaching staff of a brand new program at Delaware State? So I actually met the previous head coach at a group ride on one of from one of the local bike shops, who's actually the team sponsor, um, the team bike sponsor, Dave's Road Bikes. He does so much for us. And so very randomly, actually, I met the other coach um, on a group ride and was learning about the program. And I said, I want to be a part of that. What do you need? Uh, he said, I need an assistant coach. I was like, oh, great. <laughs> Sometimes that's all it takes. Hannah, what do you remember about recruiting that that first year? I mean, when you're recruiting to a brand new program, it's got to be a little bit hard. That is a great question, but I actually did not come on board until July with the program starting in August. So we had already recruited a full uh, team by that point. So I've just been involved in the recruiting since then, not for the brand new program. Okay. And Chara, you grew up in Barbados and I believe your athletic career started as a swimmer before you went on to racing and winning national titles in aquathon, duathlon, and triathlon, all before you were even 18 years old, which is so, so cool. 
So when did you realize that NCAA triathlon might be a good next step for you? Well, I started triathlon because I was a little tired of the repetitiveness of swimming. It kind of became the same thing every day. And so I started triathlon around 16 years old, and that was pretty late to be starting a brand new sport. And I wasn't ready to give it up going into university. But in the Caribbean, doing triathlon at university level, there is no program to to facilitate both. But NCAA that triathlon, it facilitates being a student and being an athlete. And so that's why I decided to become an NCAA triathlete. And Chara, since you, you definitely were involved in that inaugural recruiting class, what was that process like for you? And, and how did you ultimately choose DSU? Um, well, I had one other athlete from Barbados who was going through the same process. And so he helped me a lot with choosing which schools to reach out to and we both reached out to the queen's coach and he recommended me to the coach here and then the coach here reached out to me and he was very kind and he promised me a great experience as a student athlete and that's how I ended up being at Delaware State and also Delaware State is Um, an HBCU and there are not many HBCUs doing triathlon we're one of two and so that was something that really caught my interest and that's why I ended up here and you were the only the second student athlete to sign with DSU so are you like generally aware of yourself as someone who's a trailblazer like taking risks and kind of going on this new path or is it something that you're learning about yourself as you like look back every year now, because you definitely are like, this is a a big step and a big leap of faith that you took. It is definitely something new for me. Um, Growing up, everything was always set in stone. This is a school you're going to go to. And this is what the extracurriculars you're going to do every single day. And so coming here, it was something completely different. And Yeah, so it is definitely something new that I'm discovering about myself and being a part of the new team. I guess we were all kind of figuring out everything. So yeah, this is something new. Can you tell us a little bit more about figuring out everything? Because usually when you're a freshman, you have these older, more experienced athletes to help guide you through that first year of college sports and school. Was there anyone who was able to kind of step in and serve in that mentorship role for you? Um, yeah, we all, it was a team of freshmen, I think with only like one sophomore, there was one freshman, our team captain, she was also a freshman, and she took a really good leadership role. Um, She had a good relationship with the coach, and she took on a lot of responsibilities, such as taking us to and from captains and coordinating team practices and stuff. So her and just everyone being new to it and everyone working together to try to figure out what's going on, not only with practice, but with classes and figuring out how to get around the school. So it was definitely a team experience figuring everything out. And I wouldn't trade it for anything. I really enjoyed that we all got to figure it out together. Yeah. Has that made you just a really strong team? Do you have a lot of school spirit? I think we do. Yes. Was there ever a time juggling like 
you know, you said you looked to triathlon because it kind of mixed up the mundaneness, right? The repetitiveness of swimming. Was there ever a time kind of figuring all of that out where you're like, man, swimming would be a lot easier if we were just swimming? <laughs> Definitely. Um, it is sometimes overwhelming with the keeping up the three disciplines and with school. And so sometimes I do wish, man, if I was just swimming or if I was just running, it would be a lot easier. But I, I enjoy triathlon too much. It is worth, it's worth it. Great. Well, Hannah, what about you? Uh, I mean, again, were you, it's a brand new program. So were you able to lean on other coaches from other sports at DSU or maybe coaches from slightly more established triathlon programs for, for guidance for yourself? Yes, I have definitely leaned on some other coaches and um, we have a great relationship with the track and cross country coaches here at Dell State. Um, so my first day I went right to the cross country coach's office and was like, I don't know what I'm doing. Can you help me? Um, and then it's worked out really well because we've been able to run our team in cross country events. And now we're doing indoor track meets and we'll do outdoor track as well. So we get to kind of race their events as well as ours, um, and kind of learned the ins and outs of DSU from those coaches. Um, and then recently I've started reaching out to some of the other D1 and D2 triathlon coaches, um, a lot of whom I had never really met before, but it is a great group of people. Um, the Collegiate Triathlon Coaches Association just had their first ever conference. So that was a great forum to ask all the questions that have been bottled up and that I didn't know the right coach to ask. Uh, so yes, a lot of support from other coaches. And Hannah, when you start a new program, I imagine you also have to figure out all the training facilities and the routes, and that's like amplified by the complexity that triathlon can bring, right? So how is Dover, Delaware as a training location? So fortunately, I was, I'm a tri triathlete myself, so I knew all the best bike routes. That was my, that's my area of expertise. I know exactly where I want to go, depending on what we're working on on that day. Um, and it's a very bike friendly community. It's a lot of quiet roads, wide shoulders. Um, I, I think you can run anywhere and we have a great track on campus as well. So that's been easy to coordinate running. Um, swimming has been a little bit of a challenge. We're not really close to anywhere that we can practice open water swimming. Um, and Dell State does not have an aquatics facility so I have formed a partnership with the local YMCA and we utilize the Dover YMCA pool, um, which is a great aquatics facility. It's just a, a little extra piece of logistics to get everyone to and from campus. And Hannah, I know that you you only started coaching uh, just a few months before that first season. Do you remember what it was like to watch this like first existing team in their very first race. Do you remember that whole experience? Oh, absolutely. It was so exciting. It was actually the first time that I had ever spectated a triathlon um, from being on the like participation side. And I loved it. I love spectating, cheering, coaching. I was, I was hooked. I knew this was a part of my life for a long time from that first race. And Chara, what, from your perspective, do you remember that first race and what it felt like to line up as DSU's like first ever triathlon team in the first ever event. My first race was actually the nationals event, which is oh. the biggest event of the year. And it was our first time ever being there. So it was really exciting. And I was really proud to be one of the first students there. It was a great experience. 
Yeah. Well, what did that feel like when you're, you're representing your team for the first time on the biggest stage, like you said, in the national championship and to make that national championship in the first year of the team's existence is a big deal, right? Yes. Our coach worked really hard to, because we recruited some people who didn't have too much experience in triathlon and he worked really hard and the athletes themselves worked really hard to improve over, I think it was like three months of training and we made it happen. And Chara in November of 2021. Um, so that was November of 2021. I'm sorry. So, um, and then when you returned to the NCAA championships in Tempe again, this past November, do you mm -hmm. feel like the lessons you learned from that prior year added like, you know, plus the additional year of experience and practice and racing that you had, did that help yours and the team's performance? Definitely for myself, because going into it, I had no, absolutely no idea what to expect. And there were a lot of shocking things for me. The water being so freezing cold, I'd never been in water so cold. And the fact that it was so hot outside, I couldn't conceptualize the water being so cold. And so that's something from experiencing it, I knew, okay, I need to be ready for the cold water. I need to be ready for the really dry heat. So simple things like that, helping me to be mentally prepared um, the second time around and also learning from my teammates, them going through those experiences and learning from them and training together over the year leading up to our second national championships definitely made a difference. That Tempe Town Lake, it will catch you <laughs> off guard. It's shockingly cold, but um, that happens to all of us. Uh, Hannah, you mentioned you started as assistant coach. When you took over as head coach. Can you talk to us about that transition? And um, I guess even your recruiting in the second year, how was that different? Did it help that you had been established and you they, you know, DSU had sent a whole squad to the national championship? Um, and I guess even right now, how is recruiting going? Yeah. So taking over my first day was August 15th as head coach. Um, so not much transition there. The team came back the following week. Um, so it was overwhelming and stressful and felt a little bit like, I like to say it felt like my first ever open water swim where like maybe I'm drowning a little bit, but I think I love this. Um, so it was a very, you know, kind of trial by fire, like sink or swim. This is it. The team's coming. You've got to handle this program. Um, not a lot of sleep for a while there, getting everything done. Um, and then realizing, you know, a couple of weeks in, you start to get into a good groove and you're like, oh, I need to recruit. <laughs> um, but it definitely has been nice to have the reputation that we have and the team that we have. I've had a lot of athletes reach out to me. I haven't had to do a whole lot of, you know, where do I find athletes for next year? Where's my recruiting pool? Um, being the only HBCU who was at nationals and is competing at the level where we're competing uh, really just draws some attention to our program, all positive attention, obviously. So being an established program is a huge advantage for recruiting. And what is it like on campus? Like as far as how has, you know, has the campus and community and athletic community at DSU, has that really embraced the triathlon team? And as this new sport, I mean, is there, is there, I, you mentioned the camaraderie between coaches, but I'm also just curious if, uh, you know, if, if, 
if you're recognized on sport, it's like, Hey, Chara, that's the triathlete. You know, they, they recognize the sweats or the t-shirts or anything like that. Um, I would say definitely not. <laughs> we have very little, very little visibility on campus. It's always something we're working on. You know, we're talking about how do we reach the community and we keep starting with, we have to start on campus. People are like triathlon. What's triathlon? Dell state has triathlon. Like student athletes on campus still don't know about triathlon. Would you and agree, Chara? So, yeah. A lot of people, they would be like, I'd say, oh, I would say I'm an athlete. And they would ask what sport I do. And I would say triathlon. They're like, oh, what's triathlon? And I'd have to go through, okay, well, we swim first, then we bike, and then we run. And they're always like all in one. So it is definitely a shocker for a lot of people on campus still. And Hannah, would you say that that's the same with the community? I mean, you kind of learned about the program from your local group ride, right? Are the women able to get out into the community for, you know, any of the local tri scene that might be happening? It sounds like there is one with, or maybe, I don't know, maybe it's smaller than I think, but I know that area of Delaware can't be too populated, right? So triathletes tend to find each other. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like the community is more aware of triathlon at Dell State than half of Dell State is. Um, because it is such a small, tight-knit community when there's the multi-sport community support. Like, they know we have a program. They know who our bike shop is. They have been very, very welcoming and encouraging for the team. Um, and we do try to get involved in local events as much as we can. Um, like, those group rides I mentioned, that's a staple for our fall season with the team. Everyone comes out in our Dell State kits. They love to see us out there. That's cool. Doing, doing the good work and growing the sport, you know, one awkward conversation at a time. Um, Chara, you're a great student. You're a math major and a scholar, all American. So just now that you're, I guess, getting to the, toward the end of your second year as a collegiate athlete, do you enjoy the demands of being a student athlete? Um, sometimes I do because it really gives you a sense of purpose. Like there's no day when I wake up and I need to find something to do. There's always something that I need to get done. But sometimes, especially when we're in season in the fall, it can be overwhelming. But we do have a lot of support from Hannah. So I can call Hannah anytime and be like, Hannah, I'm really stressing. Um, I'm really overdue on this assignment. Can I have the evening off? And she's really understanding and accommodating. And so that is a big help. And Hannah, what do you think about that? Just knowing that these, these women are student athletes. I mean, it sounds like, it sounds like you are in quite a lot of, I guess, conversations around that. Yes. Yeah. Communication is so important and it, it cannot be overstated that they are students first, like they are at Delaware state university to further their education. This is the rest. This is the rest of your life. Like your, your education matters triathlon is not a lifetime commitment for everyone. It might just be a fun phase in college. So it's a balancing act of you have to prioritize your education. You have to get good grades. You have to pass your classes just to keep your eligibility really to be a student athlete. And then balancing that with what are your goals in the sport and how do we get you there? You know, is this, is this just, I want to have fun and learn about triathlon in college for you, or is this a competitive you want to go farther, how far can you take it in the sport and make sure we find that balance um, in our coach athlete relationship. It really comes down to that transparency and communication. 
And Charo, what about the reception back home in Barbados? Like, do you, is your family or friends back home, like, are they aware of kind of what you are at Delaware State doing that you're competing at the nationals level with your college triathlon team and that it's like you're part of this growing program that's very important for uh, triathlon with female college students? Oh, yes, I definitely do get a lot of support from home. Um, It is not a very big country, so I have been on the local news and everyone knows Chara Hines is in Delaware doing triathlon. I get a lot of support from our local triathlon um, federation as well. And they actually come to the Claremont race that's in March. So there is a section where there are a bunch of people with their Barbados shirts um, cheering on not only myself, but the other collegiate triathletes from Barbados. So yes, definitely a lot of support from home. And last summer, I believe you competed on Barbados's mixed triathlon relay at the Commonwealth Games, right? Can you tell us about that experience? That was a very exciting opportunity. Um, That is the Commonwealth Games is usually for more developed athletes. Our team was three college athletes, one being myself and one elite athlete from Barbados. So our team was not at the same level, but it was a really great experience. And I got to see a lot of my idols who I watch on TV and it really gave me something to work towards. And yeah, it was a really great experience to see everything in person instead of on the big screen. And do you have future plans and dreams in the sport that kind of encompass both collegiate races as well as representing Barbados in international events? Oh, yes, I do. I would like to represent Barbados in the Pan American Games in triathlon. So I take it one year at a time. So for this year, it is just the Pan American Games. And then next year, I'll evaluate and see where I am and see what races are on the calendar and what races I would like to do. I I mean, I know everyone probably asked, but um, are the Olympics on your radar? Um, No. Ah, not yet. You're not yet. We'll give you time. There's plenty of time. I mean, look at yeah, Gwen Jorgensen's like 15 years older than you and just coming back. So you've got lots of time. Um, Hannah, now that NCAA triathlon has secured more than 40 teams mm-hmm. and is soon to become a fully fledged championship sport, does that change anything for the program at Dell State? It doesn't change a whole lot right away. So what happens this fall is we go into the evaluation period where the NCAA looks and checks to make sure that all 40 schools are meeting their benchmarks. Um, And right now at Dell State, we have really great practices in place. So we are already meeting all of the NCAA requirements. So there won't be any real changes um, during the evaluation period by the NCAA. Um, The biggest change will just be that there will actually be some qualification processes for nationals instead of kind of being an open invite to any teams who want to come to Tempe. Um, So I think everyone's going to need to be consistent and work hard over the summer and come in ready to really get to the grind and make it to nationals. And then we've traded a few emails and you had mentioned about the uh, collegiate triathlon, or you didn't mention, it was on your out of out first reply, but earlier you mentioned the collegiate triathlon coaches association conference. And you touched on that and how it gave you a chance to, to talk to other coaches, but is there anything interesting or exciting? Um, I mean, I imagine a lot of it is about that becoming a fully fledged championship sport, but anything else uh, that, you know, came out of that conference that you can share? 
Oh man, it's just a great opportunity to be shaping the future of the sport. Like we're in such a unique spot as an emerging sport. Um, and as the CTCA, we kind of get to say, what do we want the regionals qualifications to look like? What do we want nationals qualifications to look like? And hopefully we're voting in and establishing really smart, sustainable practices and procedures so that when the NCAA does take over, they say, okay, we're going to leave it like that. Um, so just being part of a sport that we get to help shape that is really awesome. And Chara, I know you mentioned that you last March um, competed in the Claremont Draft Legal Challenge with a few of your teammates, and there's really good, you know, representation from the Barbados Federation there. Um, do you guys plan to be there again this year? Yes. And can you share any other of the upcoming race plans for the spring season? For spring, the only races we the only race we will be doing is the Claremont race. I do plan to go home to do a race as well. It's an American Development Cup race that I'll be doing in the beginning of May. Well, thank you both so much for joining us. We we look forward to following the action in Claremont in, you know, just a little over a month and then as well as the build into the uh, 2023 season, um, which I think, you know, is exciting, exciting to watch the progress of both the NCAA and these new programs like yours. So thank you so much, both of you for joining us. Yeah. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us. Thanks so much to Hannah and Chara and Haley. I think you have the information for us about how people who want to support Dell state try can do so. Yeah. So Alyssa and I are super excited about Dell State and made a small donation to help them continue and to grow their program. So if anyone wants to join us, this is a, a bit of a, it sounds more complicated than it is, but it's desu.edu forward slash giving forward slash give dash now. So you go to this website and then there's a drop down menu. You select other, and then you're going to have to type in 771511-triathlon. So you go through that process because we want to make sure this money gets to the Dell State NCAA triathlon program. And we will include all of those, uh, the website designation, what you need to type in our show notes. But it's a cool way to support triathlon, I think, in a slightly different way than the way we normally do. We're always thinking long course, Ironman, and here, these are, you know, student athletes, the future, and I am excited about it. Super, super exciting. And Haley, I think that's just about all we have for this week. And I wish the both of us another week of consistency in our training. Always, always the goal harder to do than we think, but we want to make sure we keep that consistency going. And I think my weather looks a lot better this week. I think yours probably does too. It's, I mean, <laughs> It's above negative 109, right? Yeah, we had like a 50 degree temperature swing from that Saturday to Sunday. And it was like, whoo, break out the shorts. Let's like get some tanning time in. But so it does put things in perspective for sure. Good. Well, enjoy your week, Alyssa. I'll talk to you later. Bye, Haley. You have been listening to the Iron Women podcast hosted by Haley Chura and Alyssa Gadeski. Iron Woman is a production of Feisty Media and is edited by Amelia Perry and produced by Ella Natitian. Head to livefeisty.com to find more podcasts, events, stories, and fresh perspectives. Thanks for listening.